On this episode, we recap last week in college hoops. University of No Classes loses again. UConn and Michigan State are under investigation for a variety of reasons. We give out another green light player of the week. We go over the bottom 25, and we are joined by the senior advisor to the Rutgers men's basketball program, Steve Hain. Give me that green light. Give me the green light. Give me just one night. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go right now. Welcome everybody to episode 14, 14. of the Green Light Podcast. Before we go any farther. Uh, I don't even want to. I'm going to leave no, the room. No, 14. 14 is how many points Wendell Carter I'm had. I'm leaving the room. I'm leaving Against the room. Virginia. If Wendell Carter. Have your time. If Wendell Carter had just three more points than have 14. your time. They would have beaten Virginia. But they didn't. Ugh. They didn't. And here we are, people. It's a new day. Right, the Virginia so we, we Cavaliers actually, are winning at Cameron Indoor Stadium. Just a, it's a dark time. We have to Welcome. talk about what happened. Uh, we'll talk about what happened in the game. But so they Virginia has not won at Duke since 1995. This year they played Clemson. Can you pull that score up? Yep, it was. They played 16. Clemson the day before, or not the day before, but the Third game before. before Duke, and they beat Clemson 61 to 36. And that was the exact same score, an exact same game, an exact same scheduling as it was in 1995, which means Virginia beat Clemson in 1995, the same score, and then they played Duke and beat Duke at Cameron Indoor, and you cannot make that shit up. That is insanity. Bro. Insanity. It's pretty wild. Like, I, when you think about it, I wish, I mean, fine, I don't know, game by game, but it is absolutely nuts. Um, I went into this game hopeful, but I've gotten my hopes up before for Virginia playing Duke, especially the past couple years. Um, with you've got the Tyus Jones shot, you have the Grayson Allen travel, you have the Jason the Tatum shot last year that, like, did him in. Yep. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, Virginia came. They played very, very sound basketball. Um, they had some times where I think they struggled. Um, Duke switched to zone, and Isaiah Wilkins couldn't hit a mid-range Which jumper I to save to his do life. do at half, go to zone, look, shout out me. But um, I mentioned before, Tyus Jones, we got Ty Jerome yeah. with the biggest shot of the game. Literally just when we just nice talked about a little pass fake. To the dagger three with about 35 seconds left. Which, if you relook um, at the film, like you just said, the pass fake was to no one. To no one. There was no one on the left wing. To absolutely no one. To the... Uh, no, man. You, you Listen, Virginia played fantastic. You outplayed, They outplayed Duke. Um, it was a true test of offense versus defense, and, and defense usually wins, as cliche as that is. Uh, Duke's backcourt was awful. I thought the big, not the turning point, but the point where Duke could have taken over and maybe gone on a little run was the Trayvon Duvall outlet pass yep. uh, and he turned and let it go and, and it he was, said after the game he knew yep. as soon as it left his fingertips that it was uh um he was ta- that it was it was gone yep. um Bagley still got his Bagley, 14 dude, you Bagley can't stop Bagley was him. like an automatic bucket um, can't stop 13 him. of 18 from the field 30 points 14 rebounds like Duke can get his the biggest thing for me too and that this is the I think Duke still is the most talented team, has the most upside of any team in the country. The thing that scares me the most, and I know they got they mixed in some guys a little bit more um, this last game, but they only they off the bench they had three minutes from Javin Delorier and three minutes from Alex O'Connell for a total, and they were both in the first half. I think yep. O'Connell came in, gave up a backdoor easy bucket, and it then came an right and, out, and then an and one, and was out. Coach K went to zone the second half and didn't sub anybody out. Um, I worry when you get to these games in March, if you get a guy in foul trouble or you get a guy that maybe is off his game, um, you don't have that bench presence, it's going to come back to bite you. Otherwise, I think Duke's fine. They didn't move in the pole or anything. Like, yeah, everyone I mean, knows they're lo- still, like, the fourth, they are. If you lose the two, like, Like, they okay. shouldn't have. Like, I'm not saying they should. Like, they played um, decently, at least a lot. I mean, I know yeah. they in the first okay. half was pretty ugly, but, like, yeah. they're still show they are a top team. 
Um, and, and obviously, I don't want to see him in the ACC tournament. I don't want to see him in the NCAA tournament. But I'm happy to, uh, to walk away with this win as a, a Virginia fan. Yeah, that's, that's one of my big um, – it's hard to have criticisms of Coach K. It really is. Like, what could you possibly complain about? But one of my complaints is his short bench, and I, I've, I've never understood he it. Does. He tightens up his rotation a as lot. Long as, as long as the year goes on, it gets shorter and shorter and shorter. I, I hate it. And if you've noticed, anytime K, if Coach K is sick or back or hip, he's like the bionic coach at this point. But, like, anytime he's out and Cable takes over, Cable plays nine players. Cable plays everybody. Do you think if Jordan Tucker was still there, he would have he would be getting any minutes right now? No, I still don't. I still don't. I actually just don't think he yeah. was ready at that point. Yeah. Um, but listen, hell of an effort by Virginia. I absolutely love Tony Bennett. Um, I, so I hope I. I hope when Coach K retires, Tony Bennett gets a job. Um, I know that's not happening. It's a ridiculous statement, but God, that'd be great. It's just crazy. To, just to dagger your heart even more, like we're gonna take Tony from you. It's crazy. Uh, it's not happening. Um, no, it would not. It would it's, never. It's I, going I, to a Only thing. Only a job. I was. I was worried about Wisconsin. I was worried about Indiana a little bit. Um, but I hope that I'm. I'm trying. Keep telling myself not to take uh, the Tony Bennett age of Virginia basketball for granted because a lot no. of they are. Uh, they give you Do a good not. show every night out. Um, so I, I know people. The thing that still, I mean, people don't have that much fun watching. They play slow basketball. It's like Virginia is a talented team. And if you watch that Duke game, I don't know team. how you could walk away from that saying Virginia is boring or Virginia is that. Like, there's a good basketball team. Um, but very, very good. Another good basketball team. Yes. Um, we talked about um, is not the UNC Tar Heels. Not the UNC Tar Heels. Yes. Let's you know. Let's this switch is perfect, to that. That's a because a perfect segue. stay on Tobacco Road. Uh, with a team that honestly, obviously coming off a national championship, their expectations weren't as high as last no, year. No, they weren't, which is but, which is important to set. Which, but at the end of the day, it's still North Carolina basketball. And as we're recording this now, um, they have lost three straight games. I mean, they don't play again until Saturday against Pittsburgh, so which is going to be. A they'll win. like the floor thumb and get back on track, just like um, just in time to lose to Duke. Things, but. They took a loss to Virginia Tech by 11. They lost in overtime to NC State Saturday, and then they lost by four to Clemson. Um, not a uh, not a good look for did the Tar see, Heels. Did you see Wayne Ellington's quote? What did he say? So Wayne Ellington, after it was the same day that Duke and UNC lost, yeah, so yeah. it was when Duke lost to yeah, Virginia, which was like the first time it happened. Yeah, in like, since like 1973 yeah, or something, something crazy. And Wayne Ellington was like. Who cares? At least Duke lost to a good team. We lost the freaking state. Oh. I loved it. I love so much shade is thrown oh, into North Carolina man. State. I'm sorry if you're an alum and you're listening, but it is just the forgotten school. Like, and they and it's a safety school. Like, it really is. Like, compare it. Well, at North Carolina, you don't have to actually yeah. do your classwork or anything <laughs> like that. So that's cool. But in in perspective wise, yep. they just get crapped on. But back to the actual three game losing streak. Not, not o- good. <laughs> and not only that, um, now Jalik Felton, um, yes. a freshman for UNC, has been, I thought this was interesting, not suspended by the team, suspended by the university. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's not allowed to participate in any university activities, obviously including basketball. Apparently there had been some issues. I guess he had, uh, there was a recent game where Apparently, Joel Berry went to give him, like, a high five or whatever, slap his hand, and he just, like, looked him off and, like, walked past him. And then yeah. it was, like, Roy Williams to show a match made him go and give a high five to all the starters. And basically, it was kind of weird. Um, obviously, he's Raymond Felton's nephew. Um, he had, He's had a couple games where he had – I mean, he had 15. He had 12 against Ohio he's State. He's averaging two and then, points a game. But then, yeah, he hasn't done anything since then. But he's he was supposed to be a talented guy. I think right now he's their only top 100 recruit after yeah. they lost, you know, their massive three guys from last year. So, like you like you alluded to, like UNC was not supposed to be that good. I don't think they were supposed to be this bad. But no. I don't know. Like Luke May being your guy is no, not. You don't. That's not that. a good and, look. And Joel Berry is obviously coming off a huge performance in the Final Four. He has lofty standards to be able to try and live up to. Yeah. But you look at their schedule moving forward. They're sitting at 16 and seven. Five and five in the ACC. Um, they still haven't played Duke yet, so they get Duke twice. Twice. They have to go to NC State, or they just lost to at home. They play Notre Dame at home, but then they have to go at Louisville, at Syracuse, home against Miami, and then at Duke to end the season. Those are four games that could go any sort of way. Any sort of way. So I don't see them winning too many. Well, they'll probably win three or four. I think but they'll win. I think they'll probably win three or four. They're going to be on games. the bubble, man. I but think. But like they won't. I can see them as like being like a seven seed. 
Like yeah. seven, eight, like it's not like, and obviously they can still prove themselves in the ACC tournament. Hopefully, yeah, get, maybe exactly. get that up a that little bit. And they can, can they can beat some teams. I don't think anybody's really been truly impressed with them at any point in the season. Obviously, no. they had home losses to Wofford. They beat Ohio State. They beat Tennessee. But then, like yeah, like they lost at home to Wofford. They got smoked by um, Virginia. They got um, I mean pretty, pretty easily handled by a lot of these teams. But I mean. It's fine. They can go home. They can clean up their national championship ring from last year. And exactly, uh, and like, re- what would you rather have? And uh, and, and reload. Um, yeah. Moving on um, from from UNC to Villanova to Nova Villanova. So Villanova, obviously, still the number one team in the country. Um, they had a pretty fun game to watch. I don't know if you see any on Sunday um, against Marquette. Play Marquette came out to be a three-point game. Obviously, we love Marquette as Andrew Rousey and Marcus Howard have both been Greenlight Players of the Week on this podcast. Um, came down to the wire. Um, what um, Jalen Brunson basically kind of put the team on his back. He's playing out of his mind, um, but they didn't have Phil Booth. And Phil Booth, I, I hope they say it's going to be like four or six weeks. Broke his hand. They say he's going to be back by the end of the season. They need him back if they want to make a deep run. Obviously, I think they have the Big East pretty much locked up at this point. But um, that you can't rely on Jalen Brunson to get you 31 points um, on, like every single night and just rely on that. They need, they need Phil Booth because, like you said, with Duke, they have a short rotation. Villanova is not mixing in a ton of guys. Um, but interested to see kind of how that plays out. They have – let's see who they got complaining of. They got Creighton. Oh, they have Villanova's got four straight home games, man. Like Villanova does. Nova goes Creighton, Seton Hall, St. John's, and Butler all at home. They're literally but, projected to win the rest. And of then the they year, they're supposed they go absurd. at Providence, they go at Xavier, um, and then, like it is what it is from there. But I mean, hopefully uh, Phil Booth can can get healthy. I don't see them dropping one, but who knows? We seem to jinx a lot of teams when we say that. Um, but Nova's still number one. Virginia's behind them at at, at number two. Um, you went our to t- a game though. Our two. Well, I want to talk about our two green light players of the week. Oh, Rousey Former, and Howard. Rousey and Howard. So there's this article from Paint Touches, and I don't know Paint Touches, but shout out to them. Um, and literally, they preface this article with, "There's literally no explanation for it, or at least not one that I'm aware of. So just accept it, take a breath, and we'll talk about it in a second. That's literally how they preface the article. And then they come up with a bunch of numbers that is not good for uh, podcasting or radio. So I'll skip all that. But basically, the premise is that at home. One of the two uh, plays really well, and on the road, yeah. one of the when they're playing together, this is Rousey and Howard. One of them play extremely well at home. One of them play extremely well on the road, and when they're together, they're even worse. Yeah. So it's like your two borderline best players yeah. are not playing well together. Um, that's not a good sign. It's weird. Really I mean, ever. But yeah. they're still winning games. They're in good shape for the NCAA tournament. Uh, they're on the bubble. They're on the bubble, they're but, on the they're, bubble. but they're but they're they're in a good spot. Yeah, they're, they're in a good spot for right Ken Palm rankings. They're the problem is they're thir- They lost they're, to Xavier and Nova. That's to be expected. Eight. Like they don't have any bad like lost to Nova twice, Xavier, Butler, Xavier twice, <laughs> These, Butler. This three is gonna show it. Butler, Providence, and Seen Hall, that's massive. Because then they'll spank St. John's. They should be Creighton. Then they get St. John's again. DePaul, Georgetown, Creighton. So their, their last, last four games, are, they are should like they should be set. And this is the be three fine. that's gonna set. These it. are the ones they need this. Um right now, I mean their offense obviously is is they, they they shoot the lights out. I feel like it's almost every night. Um, but um, it's if they can guard guys, and they had moments where like they were like def- they were defending and, and holding uh, holding Villanova some long threes. But then there are other ones where they just give like a straight middle drive, and, and uh, Jalen Brunson got right to the rim with an easy yeah. layup. So um, we Put I Villanova like I like Mar- I like Marquette <laughs> a lot. Obviously, I like I've said Villanova. I think is best top to bottom. I think you can retract that without Phil Booth, um, but. Uh, interesting in, in the Big East. Um, staying in the staying in the Big East. I went to a game last yes. night that was very very exciting. Um, shout out to my man Ricardo Johnson, Xavier Musketeers um, got the win in Carnesecca Arena over St. John's. Much closer than a lot of people thought. Um, well, if you follow Vegas lines and, you, and you're a, a gambling uh, gambling man, you've seen the line was only four four and a half, which was kind of surprising with. St. John's at the time being 0-10 in the Big East and Xavier being the sixth-ranked team in the country. Um, came down to the wire. Shamori Ponds is, like I, I said so before, Shamori Ponds, like, I feel bad that people, like, 
don't like actually get to see him play and like don't realize if you're a casual fan how good he is because the kid dropped 30 last night he made he made plays that like were absolutely ridiculous and out of his mind kid from Brooklyn um, coming off two games where he really struggled um, he had 33 against Georgetown and then seven and two and then rebounded with 31 again last night so Shout out to Shamori Pons. Xavier basically made some tough plays uh, at the end. Trayvon Blewett, um, Cantor had a nice little, uh, nice little drive to the hoop, and then um, St. John's just like we got to talk about St. John's, man. This is the second game we've seen, and both games I've seen with them, they've had a chance like win or tie the game at the end, and they've blown it. Like the Georgetown game, they blew it at the end. Georgetown, they the second time they played them, double overtime, they lost. Um, they haven't won since December 28th. Or no, I'm sorry. They haven't won since December 20th. December 20th. They're 0-11. I mean, they started out 10-2. and Shout out to the scheduling. They started out 10-2, and, and their only losses were to Arizona State and Missouri. Um, and now they've lost 11 in a row, every single uh, Big East game. And honestly, they might have the toughest three-game stretch of anybody this entire season. Do you know who they play? Have you seen this yet? I only used no. to see it. I haven't. Well, they played Xavier, so that's one. Okay. They played Duke on Saturday in the Garden. Oh, I know. I've been trying to get tickets. Anyone know who has tickets, shout us out. And then they play Villanova on Wednesday. <laughs> so you get number six, number four, and number one in Duke a, is going to murder like these eight, dudes. Eight games, eight day span. Um, so yeah, I, I feel for St. John's because they have like Marcus Lovett. They lost for the season. Shamori Pons is awesome. Justin Simon had a really good game. Or actually, no, I'd say that Marvin Clark did, but like. Yeah, they struggled. Well, this man. is what we're talking they about. Struggled, like, Chris man. Mullen doesn't coach. It, it, you talked about it. He's sitting there, leaned on the on the scores table. He never has the uh, the board, the whiteboard, in the huddle. He's not drawing up the plays. It, it's a weird dynamic. Man. I didn't a weird realize dynamic. it, and, and my wife was with me in the game, and she she goes, well, "Is there she something asked. wrong with the St. John's? Does he have like health problems?" Because and I was like, what do you mean? She's like, he's just like sitting, kind of leaning like on the leaning. scores table. Yeah. And it's one of those things, you know, like diagonal scores table. He's kind of leaning back on it, but like sitting his, sitting down on it a little bit too. And just kind of his hands. Team's on the other end of the floor. When it's on his side, he's standing up, talking to him. But when they're on the other end of the floor, he's just kind of leaning back, watching. And he'd yell something out, and he'd lean back and yeah. watch. It's, it's kind of a weird dynamic. I hope they can turn around because I think St. John's being good, like in the Big East, it's the way better. it is now, it's a lot better, especially in New York. Um, but it, it's kind of tough to see. But Carnesecca, it was a cool place to see a game. It's different yeah, it's than the Garden. Um, yeah. But uh, shout out to Xavier, Rick J, and those guys. Actually, um, shocked to Xavier. Oh, no, that because of the Grammys? Was it still shutting down? Why? No, why it was they? the uh, the Knicks were playing the Nets at home, I guess. Gotcha. They have to play a certain amount of games and, and, and they're playing Carnesecca. Saturday against Duke. So yeah, uh, they play at Carnesecca. Um, our guy, um, Bill Murray was in attendance sitting yes. right down in front of us, but Xavier, um, keeps rolling They're te- They're eight and two right now. They're only a game behind Villanova. So yeah, right if they there. can catch up, they're in it and they'll stay the course. Um, and, and shout out to the Musketeers. I want to go, I want to go right up the road, kind of left and then a little bit right up the road. Uh, got to see URI play Fordham. Shout out to David Caruso for the tickets. Big URI guy. Um, URI is very, very good. Uh, Coach Hurley's got those dudes rolling. JT Terrell is fantastic to watch. Um, just a downhill bullish type of guard. 10-0 um, in the A-10. Yeah, 10-0 in the A-10. Hands down, it's, the, the best team in the A-10. Hands down, the best in, best team in the A-10. No they, they, they're no all really guards. Close. They are all guards. So that's why I don't think they're making a run in the tournament because they legitimately start four guards and then one like pseudo big man that he's just kind of like six seven and big yeah um and then their first subs off the bench are just like swing man or, or guard so i'm a little worried about if they you know they run into a purdue a du- some some team with massive size they're like played virginia s- and they got kind of got smothered they played virginia and in, in, uh barclays and they lost 70 to 55 yeah virginia so, kind of swallowed them up with their yeah defense, when it's but, uh, when they play a really really big team they struggle but man do they guard that ball they their defense is is not like Virginia, but I think they are attempting to be like Virginia in the in their rotations and their intensity. Did a great job. Um, Fordham, on the other hand, whew, are they bad? Um, and I kept asking. I was the the guy that I was with, David. Um, I was just looking at their roster, and wow, they beat UMass. Jeez, that's a bad. They're they're two and seven and not the good. Ten. Um, I was asking, man, why? You know, Fordham, their entire starting five is foreigners. And I was trying to figure out how or why, and then um, shout out to my guy Jason Tilton. I, I met with him the other day, and he was like, yeah, it's all because of an assistant that they hired named Ollie Tun. 
And Ali Tun has massive European ties. His father was a big-time coach in Turkey. All this stuff. So then when you go down their roster, you see, I'm like, all right, let me, let me look at this roster. Um, they got a guy from Quebec. They got a guy from Istanbul. They got another, another guy. guy from Quebec. They got a guy from Istanbul again. They got a guy from Montenegro. They got a guy from Czech Republic. Two guys from Czech Republic. And you're like, this is Fordham. This is the I'm like, Bronx. have these guys ever been to Fordham? Yo. What are they doing? And that's to- listen. This is if the that's Bronx. if that's the strategy, go ahead. That's great. That's a good strategy. There's plenty of good players in Europe. These ones just aren't that good. <laughs> like they're not good at all. They were getting crushed. And so. I don't know, man. I, I even thought I don't know Jeff Newbauer Yo, a day you, in my life. Go but get the, you some of the jelly fam. You got somebody, plenty of talent right somebody. here. Man. I think the, a lot of the problem is not none of those kids want to go there. Yeah. That's the problem. So unless you hire like a local guy who really has the connects and to get those players, I just don't think it's gonna happen. And they but, were better, I wanna say they were decent a couple years ago. I guess it was just Newbauer's first year they went. 17 and 14, like 8 and 10 to 8 10. last four, wow. 8 and 10 to 8 10. That's and pretty good. Last year took a step back, 13 and 19, like yeah. 7 and 11 in the 8 10. And then now it's like kind of, the, not the wheels are falling off, but it's like, I don't know, man. Yeah. It, it is. Their, dude, their defense, they're leading the country in, uh, in steel percentage. Wow. Their defense. So that. like, but then their offense, they're like one of the top, the bottom 10 in three-point percentage. So it's like their offense is so bad that like they can't get away with um, a, a decent defense, but it's tough to see. You want New York, like we said, we want New York basketball to be good. It's a lot more fun here when you've got things buzzing. Exactly. Right now, it's just the high school scene is is I guess is where it's at. Yeah. Um, moving on to to a different, a more um, somber, more uh, somber. You can kind of enter. Yeah, this yeah, one, sure. So, is, so if you've been living under a rock and you have not heard the name, is it Larry Nasser? Larry Nasser. Larry Nasser. Um, you know, I, I, we don't want to talk about all those details. It's horrible. Um, but this guy was employed at Michigan State for years. He ap- allegedly and apparently and is being accused of um, sexually harassing student athletes at Michigan State for years. And apparently tons of people know all the way up to Mark Emmerich, which if you've ever listened to his podcast, we, you, you know that we think he's a scumbag uh, for a variety of reasons. This certainly moves that needle a hell of a lot yeah. um but all this stuff came out this stuff came out friday right it came was, which was, uh, was maybe a couple days before but okay. in, but but then there well, was the, this the big espn report that came out implicating well implicating, yeah uh, involving basically asking questions and about Dan, yeah d'antoni d'antonio d'antonio and coach izzo um Man, was the, I don't know if you had a chance. Please, maybe we'll even link it up at the end of the pot right yeah. now. Like when we're talking, we'll, we'll give you the audio that doesn't do it justice. Go watch the video and just type in Tom Mizzo, you know, interview. Um, it'll come up. But man, oh man, was it awkward? And man, I texted Ian right away, like, yo, that makes him look awful. And After it, so, it just yeah. makes him look guilty. Whether he is or isn't, the way he acted, he was it, it, it was bad. So to set it up, obviously after the yeah. report came out, they played the, their next game. Before the game, D'Antonio spoke to reporters like, I have to speak. He says his stuff. I'm not like I'm not involved. I reported everything, blah, blah, blah. But then afterwards, basically ESPN's ready to go, lines up these questions, like specific questions. Like, did you know that you're uh, – or why didn't you – kick your student assistant off the team when you knew that he was involved in um, a domestic dispute, yeah. whatever it is. Um, he just said, I have always, I've I've always, always complied com- with, with every, inve- every investigation. investigation and and I, I, will, I always will with every investigation. She gets more specific. She says, but no, when you knew this, why didn't you do this? And why was he still involved? And he, it was the same canned just response. He was like, whatever his, law- his lawyer told him to do it, and like obviously, Izzo is like the class of college basketball. I said the next yes. closest thing to me. I obviously this is the I think Izzo is the closest guy to K. Yep. That if something like major like oh. this, like it's it I would break K, my heart. I think it's K, K then Izzo and then maybe like Bayheim's up there, I guess. But Bayheim kind of and like, like Roy Williams, yeah, like, Roy, no Roy, Roy would be big. Roy and like Roy would obviously be big. But and obviously Izzo they just is, got away with it. Izzo but. is like. That guy that, like... Yeah, Izzo would be tough. And so it's weird to see this. It's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out. It's not a good situation because there's obviously a lot of bad stuff that's going on in Michigan State. We don't know all the details, but there's at least enough reports that it's in an environment where... Um, 
obviously the AD stepped down and rightfully as they they probably should because President whether it's their fault AD. or not, this stuff's going on underneath you, and it's your job. I think as the figurehead of the program programs, um, it all it's a trickle down effect, and it, at the end of the day. It, it, it starts from you, and if you, especially if you know that stuff's going on, you get these reports, um, it has to end somewhere. So um, hopefully um, that stuff can, can be cleared up. Um, and yep. moving on to another part um, of another investigation. Very weird. Very weird investigation. That weird timing. Um, since this is your state, you can, yeah, you can yeah. get into it, and I'll, I'll spread my, my conspiracy theory on it. Oh, really? Okay, I think I we a, might have the cons- same conspiracy oh, theory. I'm, I'm, no, I don't even think it's a conspiracy theory. I think it's, it's a like, hot it's, take. No, it's not even a hot take. Oh, I think my. it's the truth. All I right. think it's the truth. All right, go here ahead. we go. So I'll give you the brief rundown. Um, UConn is getting investigated uh, for potential recruiting violations. That is legitimately all the public knows. Now, super weird timing for a variety of reasons. They also said it's not related to the FBI probe, which is definitely a good case for them. Um, but my, my conspiracy theory that I've heard is this is an inside job. Kevin Ollie is in on it. They're, they're struggling. People are talking about maybe firing Kevin Ollie. The state cannot afford it. The, yep. the state of Connecticut is in shambles right now in, in for a million reasons, but the main reason being budget. And they cannot afford to buy out Kevin Ollie and then pay – Another coach. He's like, I think Ali's like the third highest state employee, paid yeah. state employee. So they can't afford it. So the only buyout out of his contract is if he takes an NBA gig. So this would give the fan base, the donors, everyone an easy scapegoat. Look, you know, he's got recruiting violations. He's not doing well. Let's get rid of him and promote him to go get an NBA gig and he leaves. Exactly. That's so what that's, I've heard. Is that my what you're thought, my, And yeah, and I, I work with some UConn guys. I've heard some things and obviously... Um, this is, uh, this is something, it could be a touchy subject and we're not trying to say that, um, Kevin Ollie's a bad guy. Kevin, no. Yes, we don't, no one even know. knows, but my whole thought process is that UConn's ready for a change. Obviously they had the national title with Ollie, but they're ready to move on. He's owed his deal March 10th, 2017, his new deal through 2021 is valued at 17.9 million. Whew. So it's like 18 million owed. Let me hold I think something. There's two ways it could go. I think that basically... He has a clause in his contract where he can be fired anytime, and they not owe him any money if he's fired with just cause. So they that this is this, this is just, just cause. cause. So I think what they're gonna do is basically say, hey, you can leave on your own. Yeah, yeah you can yeah. go find another job. You can do this. They're not gonna outright say, but hey, like if you want to get away from if this, if you're a UConn guy, you're an alum. If, if you, you want to get away on. from this, you can get away from it. Um, and, and step away. Like it probably would do us both best. But if he tries to stick it out, say no, like I'm, a, then I think they're going to fully pursue it, and I think they have inside information. And I think at the end of the day, unfortunately, um, it, it might be to try and get Kevin Ali out of uh, out of the out of the helmet at UConn. Um, yes, but I agree. That's wrapping that that up. Um, now we are going to be joined by the senior advisor to the men's basketball coach at Rutgers University, Coach Scarlet Knights. Yes, Coach Steve Hain. Uh, great interview. Enjoy it. Uh, here we go. All right, we are now joined by the senior advisor to the Rutgers University head men's basketball coach, Steve Hain. I got to admit, Coach, that is a heck of a title. That sure is. It sure is. I'm still t- two years, and I'm still trying to figure out all the ins and outs of what it, what it is and what it means, but it's uh, not just uh, found found a really good place with some great people so making it work yeah absolutely and uh this this will be your first um run as a senior advisor but you know you have one of the most impressive resumes in in college hoops and basketball period um you know including 17 seasons as a head coach uh and we'll get into the central connecticut part of that but talk a little bit about your come up and where you've been and and um, you know you've coached at every single level. How how unreal is that? Yeah, you know it's uh, really interesting how uh, things have unfolded, and you know just really tried to you know just take take one opportunity and just try and do the best with it. And um, you know things have kind of moved from one step to the next, really um, you know in, in a really unique way. I was fortunate. I. I played for a great high school coach, Frank Romeo, New York State Hall of Fame coach out on Long Island, coached at Comstock High School. He really started that program and, uh, you know, in the late 60s and developed into one of the 
top programs in the island and in the state. And, you know, I was just fortunate, fortunate to have played for him. And, you know, that kind of really, you know, just got my whole uh, just, you know, basketball career started just actually as a sixth, seventh grader inspired by him as a coach and, you know, wanting to play varsity for him and be part of that program. So, you know, that that's really been a, you know, just the starting point. And, uh, you know, after after playing at Stony Brook and having a, you know, just a great experience playing and, you know, playing in an NCAA tournament and uh, playing for a great coach and with some great teammates there, uh, you know, I had a chance to go back and work with Frank Romeo at Comstock. I started the seventh and eighth grade coach in one of his last uh, years, and uh, which was just an awesome, uh, awesome experience. You know, just the following year, he retired and uh, actually went on to coach at Suffolk Community College. And uh, Joe Jones became the varsity coach, and I uh, was his JV coach for a year. And uh, you know, just had a great experience there. And just shortly after that, I had a chance to be a varsity head coach at a nearby high school, Port Jeff High School. And as a 25-year-old, not knowing much, just uh, with a lot of enthusiasm, I kind of, you know, we just uh, got it all started there. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. It was a, it was a great, you know, it was a great, uh, great start. You know, from there, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to, to do other than, you know, I was a special education teacher. I was a varsity coach. And, you know, I, at, at, at that point, I was just satisfied and happy and excited, you know, just, you know, in the challenge of doing that and, you know, the thought of coaching in college was something that, you know, just uh, through some friends and colleagues that were coached at that level, you know, just found an opportunity to, to coach with uh, Bill Van Gundy up at Genesee Community College. And, wow. uh, you know, it was just a, uh, you know, connection, an interesting connection through Jay Wright, uh, who, who helped me get that uh, job. Joe, Joe Jones had had left uh, Council High School and became the uh, you know, the assistant coach for Jay Wright when he was, his, you know, took the, took the job over at Hofstra. And uh, interestingly, Jay uh, recruited me um, when uh, he was at the University of Rochester. Oh, coach nice. Near, his, first, his first job. And uh, he, he really, uh, you know, growing up in that area himself and, you know, Bucknell guy and, and that, uh, Frank Romeo was kind of the conduit between Jay and, and Roly Massimino at that time. Um, Jay built a relationship with Frank by recruiting me at, uh, you know, when he was at the University of Rochester and, uh, you know, built a relationship and, and got a chance to work Roly's camp for the first time, you know, through, through Frank, actually. And uh, DJ was great. I mean, he's, he's been loyal to, to Frank and all those Long Island guys that had brought all those, those campers down to his camp for, for years. And I was one of them, you know, as a as a young young guy uh, going to Coach Mass's camp. Yeah. But uh, yeah, JJ helped me uh, get my first job with Coach Van Gundy just uh, just after I was coaching high school for a while. So that was just kind of a, a neat uh, connection, and uh, you know, just uh, you know, Bill was Bill was great. You know, I mean, at the time, Jeff was just an assistant with the Knicks, and. Uh, Bill, I learned so much from Bill in that year and continue to because he's just, you know, still a mentor to me. And, uh, you know, he, he really, uh, he told me, hey, the best way to, you know, advance your career is just do a great job at the job you have. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, the opportunity to work out in front of you. Yeah, I mean, Coach, we had, it's funny as you say that because we had um, Bill Wazinski in Boston College, guy I worked under. Uh, probably a month or two back on the podcast, and he had kind of an interesting um, way of, of where he got to his job. Um, I, now, kind of the way getting jobs in college basketball has changed a little bit from when you started and how you got in the game to um, a guy that's a younger guy is trying to get into it now. How have, how have you seen that change and develop over the years? Yeah, you know, it, it's, it's, recruiting has always been important. And you know it always will continue to be important. It's it's the you know it's the the lifeblood of what you do as a as a college coach. But um, I think the pressures and, and and the way in which you know things are going, especially at the Division One level, there's uh, you know there's there's such a such a commodity on somebody who can get you a player, who can get you involved with players, who can um, you know navigate the whole you know you know recruiting. Uh, pool as it is and uh, you know that's that's kind of the 
you know, the, the way that, you know, people are finding themselves jobs and, and, you know, not to say that they're, you know, some of these people, you know, that have that skill set aren't accomplished coaches either, but, um, you know, it, it's, it's not, I think the way things had been, you know, people were looking for complete coaches, assistant coaches that, you know, had the ability to recruit, but also, you know, great on the floor, great with kids and, and all those areas. And, you know, I think in some ways, you know, people are, you know, have these, these you know, specializing, in, you know, especially with the, the expanse, expansive staffs that everyone has at the moment, um, especially in the Power Five conferences. Oh, yeah. You know, that's, that's kind of the gateway to, to kind of getting a, a job where, you know, Bill Van Gundy uh, knew Howie Dickerman through, through Nick McCartrick. They had a great relationship. And quite frankly, it was, it was one phone call. And, you know, I wanted to stay one more year with Bill. Because uh, I was learning so much, and it was just an awesome experience. And he says, "Steve, you got to go. This is Howie. He's taking, you know, the central job, you know, over." And uh, you know, I, I met Howie for ten minutes, and he hired me. You know, just just on that was it. Yep. You know? Yeah, that's and, uh, that's uh, definitely the type of guy uh, Coach D was for sure. Um, and we'll and this this will probably lead into Central, but there there seems to be a theme almost every stop uh, along the way of your career of turning programs around, um, whether it was Dowling or Stevens or Fredonia or Central, you know, you, you get to a program that might be struggling, and then two, three years later, um, you know, the record is, is almost flipped. Um, yeah. How do you do that? <laughs> you know, Paul, you know, Paul it's, it's, uh, I don't know whether I've been blessed to, to have been in a situation, I have the experience <laughs> to be able to, to navigate that and, uh, or just kind of find myself in those situations. And, uh, it, it's, it's really a, a thing that, uh, through Frank Romeo, you know, just, you know, really, you know, he was the guy that did more with less and was able to just really, I think, you know, and, and he developed a program where there was some talented players, but, you know, he was, he was always known for doing more with less, you know, he had to play the, you know, the Bellports, the Southamptons, the, you know, the, the you know, the high, high mid-major division one guys with guys like Steve Hain, who, you know, ended up, you know, a good division three player, but, you know, he, you know, we're competing with these, these higher level programs because I think he just was able to maximize, um, you know, the talent he had. So, you know, I had a knack for, you know, finding who those people are, you know, and, and trying to plug them into, because when you're in those situations, when you're at a place that hasn't won and hasn't been successful, you know, it's, it's not the sexy choice. So it's hard. It's hard to, to get those guys, you know, you want to be in the top third of the league and compete for championships, but, you know, it's hard to get those same caliber kids that are, you know, are more attracted to those, you know, upper echelon, you know, schools at the moment. So you've got to, you know, you got to find the kids that fit your program and, and develop them and develop the program together. And, you know, soon enough, you're, you're able to, you know, just, you know, move the program forward. And, and it's, it's more of, you know, who you recruit. And, and I learned that through Howie, you know, when we were uh, at Central Connecticut, we were, you know, we were the worst division one program, you know, the 10 year stretch, you know, we were 64 and 184 Ooh. 10 years before we took the job. I don't know about you guys, how your math is, but yeah, you know, that's, not a, that's not a really good way. Not percentage. great. But, you know, and they, you know, they got through the transition from Division Two to Division One. Yeah, for sure. You know, for a lot of reasons. You know, they, they struggled, you know, through like a lot of teams through that transition. And, um, you know, we, you know, we walked into that kind of situation and, you know, you know, in that first few years, you know, made made some, you know, real real good progress, and you know, more, you know, how he's had how he had high expectations in terms of, you know, just the kind of kids we were going to recruit, you know, how they were going to carry themselves, and what kind of effort and the expectations that he had for, you know, everyone in the program, and you know, really what ended up happening. We had um, of the of the thirteen scholarship players in year number three when we're, we're now playing in the. Northeast Conference Championship game, and then the following year when uh, Central won it, it has seven of those thirteen kids had no other scholarship offers. Yeah. So we're, we're talking about like some real, you know, kind of diamonds in the rough. That for whatever reason, you know, the people looked at him and you know, like a Rick Mickens who. Oh yeah, uh, he was a you beast. Know, I mean, he, he was a great player. He was his senior year. He was the Defensive Player of the Year. He was the Player of the Year, and then he was Northeast Conference. Uh, tournament wow. uh, MVP, the only the only Division One player in the entire country to win all three of those awards, and he wow. had no scholarships coming out of high school. That is you good know, recruiting, coach. 
you know, it is. I think it's just a matter of, paying, paying, you know, it's a skill set and ability, but, you know, having a real understanding of who that person is and how they fit into what you're trying to, to develop. And, you know, I, I was able to take that and move that forward when I was at, at Dowling. And, you know, we had our struggles there. You know, the school has since closed and there were some financial struggles. So we didn't have the 10 full scholarships. We didn't, we didn't have a gym. That was a little bit of an issue. Also. <laughs> so facilities was a hurts a little. Um, you know, renting, renting, uh, you know, a nearby gym. So you know, we had all those different challenges. But you know, we we we're, we now we're in the top third of the league. You know, playing in the championship game in the semis. You know, the last uh, you know twice in the last three years that I was there. You know, with guys that no one else essentially recruited. You know, in our conference and. You know, we just, you know, we were able to follow that blueprint, you know, and, uh, you know, the great thing about Steve at Rutgers and, you know, what he's done in his career at Stony Brook in a similar ways, developed something that, you know, had never been done before. And, you know, we're kind of, you know, kind of just following that same blueprint here at Rutgers. Yeah. You know, it's at the same level. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you've certainly gone from assistant coach to head coach, uh, back to assistant and now to senior advisor. Um, you know, my father always said there's a big difference between, you know, the 10 inches to the right, um, you know, back in the day when he was coaching, when the head coach would sit in the first seat. Um, you know, there's a big difference when you slide over. Is it harder going from assistant to head coach or going back, going backwards from head coach to assistant? You know, what, what, you know, you've done that now a couple of times in your career, you know, what, what are the biggest differences there? Yeah, you know, Paul, I, I just think, um, and I think that's absolutely right, you know, and, and there's, a, there's a vast, you have a lot of ideas and thoughts, and, yeah. you know, and you can make a lot of suggestions as an assistant, but, you know, you're making decisions as, as a head coach. And I, think, and I think good head coaches, you know, really, you know, lean on their assistants and include them and, you know, just, just give them, you know, all those different opportunities and empower them, but, you know, ultimately has to make, you know, decisions on personnel, decisions on, you know, strategy and, and all those things. Um, I think the years I spent as an assistant, you know, really helped me when I was a head coach, you know, just during all, all you know, all that time. And Jay Young kind of, because uh, he, he, he can appreciate this because he was a Division two, you know, one of our assistants who's terrific uh, on our staff. He, he was a head coach at University of New Haven for a couple of years yep. before he, he went to work with uh, Steve at Stony Brook. And, he, he he laughs. He says, "Steve, it's great to be at Division Two and Three, you know, head coach where you you know you got hundred people in the stands and no one's really paying attention. You can kind of make some mistakes and you can kind of you know just kind of experiment with things and you know and we and we would laugh about that and you know as as important as it is at the time, um, and it's your entire world when you're when you're coaching whether it's my seventh and eighth grade team, your JV <laughs> team, you're putting the whole scheme of things. Your game's not." by and large on ESPN and you can, you know, in there, there's, you're just in a smaller, you know, just a little bit of a smaller, you know, uh, you know, just pool there where, uh, you, you can have, you know, just the, the advantage of, of making some mistakes and, 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 you know, learning on your feet. And that's helped me now when I come back to being an assistant here with, with Steve at Rutgers, you know, I've got all those years of making mistakes and, um, you know, finding success and, and doing things, you know, just one way and maybe, you know, going having a chance to go back and do them a different way and learning. Uh, so it's, I think it's helped both ways. You know, the time as an assistant definitely helped me become, you know, I think a better head coach. But, you know, also when you're a Division two and three head coach, you're doing everything. You're doing, yep. you know, your operations, you're doing the X's and O's stuff, you're doing facility stuff, you're doing, you, you, you got your hands in everything. So, you know, that's kind of helped me you know, help Steve in my role as his senior advisor where, you know, I'm, I'm really leaned on to just kind of help him with the organization of the, the, the program. Definitely. So, uh, yeah, so it's, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a great journey, Paul, yeah. you know, and, he, and I, and I'm not, uh, not done yet. Not you know, done yet. A lot of yeah. work to do nope. here at Rutgers and, you know, I'm really inspired and motivated by, you know, just the challenge that we have and, you know, we've got great people at the university and, you know, just on our staff. So it's been a, it's been an awesome, uh, you know, just year and a half. Yes. Yeah. You know, so far. And that that actually leads perfectly into what I, I wanted to ask you next. I mean, get into 
getting to this point and being at Rutgers, obviously um, from the outside, see as a program, it's been a while since they've been to the tournament. It has been um, a rebuilding process, obviously, for you guys. Um, in the year and a half that you've been there, I mean, what challenges have you seen and, and, and what differences maybe the outside doesn't see? Um, obviously, the positives and negatives that come with a job like Rutgers and, and being part of, of the Big Ten. Yeah, you know, it's it's, uh, it's, it's, an, it's a terrific place. You know, we have great leadership to begin with, you know, from President Barchi, who's got a vision for what he wants athletics to be, and, and Pat Hobbs um, and everyone in our athletic department. Uh, that that's really um, just just providing all all the things that that we need as as a Big Ten institution to compete, you know, at, at that level. And you know, it's it's certainly well documented. We have some catching up to do. You know, you look at we, we're we're involved, we're involved with competing some against some of the top academic and athletic institutions. You know, we're at Purdue the other day, and they won their first Big Ten title in 1911. Yeah, you know, so you know, there's there's a ton of history, and you know, there's which is exciting, you know, which is you know incredibly exciting for us, and you know, Pat Hobbs and and the entire university are working really hard, the alumni and everybody involved in the program. We've got a, a new practice facility that's that's being built right now next to the rack, and yep. you know, it's going to open in, in the spring of nineteen, and it's going to be. You know, I think among the best in the country, if not the best in the country. Yeah, that's and, huge. You know, we, you know, and it's just we're we're, t- we're taking those steps to, to to build the things necessary to to have that kind of um, you know just just competitive advantage. And you know, the reality is, you know, in all the places I've been, you know, people win championships, and we've got great people here at Rutgers, the fans, you know, the people surrounding the entire university. There's a lot of pride. <laughs> You know, and 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 uh, sense of excitement that you know Steve is here, you know, and <clears throat> taking charge of the program, and and they're just you know just really so supportive of you know of the journey that we have ahead of us, and uh, you know understand it's a tough one, but uh, you know you know finding the right people you know in place in terms of, of recruits, um, you know that's, that's something that Steve has done every step along the way and uh you know i think it's it's been fun to to, to, to be here and, and be part of the you know the beginning steps of what i think is going to be a really really exciting time in the next few years yeah. as pat hop says the greatest chapter you know yep in, uh, the come up is our, the best part history. yeah the come up is the best part for sure uh, we, you know, we know uh, you'll get there in the next couple of years. That's for sure. We're we're doing the same work at King Hoops to try and get you a player. So just give me some time, uh, and 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 we'll get we'll get there as well. Um, no question. You know, we I I love coaching your son. There's no better no better player to coach than a coach's son and uh zach is certainly that so hopefully he hears this um he's uh he's the best i love him but uh coach i know we you got a big one saturday against purdue you know we wish you the best of luck um you know after that indiana nebraska the big 10 you know people say it's down this year a little bit but man oh man i i do not envy you uh the king hoop schedule is a little bit easier (laughs) Uh, um so you know good luck this weekend and you know we appreciate you coming on um you know this was awesome and uh you know we'll be in touch soon and you know we'll have you on once you win the big 10 no look forward to it guys thanks for having me on appreciate it thanks coach talk to you soon okay all right, appreciate it, Coach Hayne. That was awesome, man. Uh, best of luck this weekend against Purdue. You know, you got your uh, your work cut out for you there. Um, but without further ado, we finally are giving away another green light player of the week. Yep, it's been a little bit. Um, had to do some some digging for this one, we but did. Um, keeping with the the New Jersey theme from yep. uh, from, from Rutgers and, and Coach Hayne guy that came right out of our backyard um i was familiar with a little bit played at st anthony's for bob hurley um one of his i guess on his last team it's kind of that's kind of crazy for him he's on bob yeah, hurley's last team before it but now is absolutely lighting it up at howard yes the bison. Um, rj cole yep. freshman 6'1 175 out of union new jersey st anthony high school um averaging 23.6 points a game top five in the country Woo! In twenty three, in averaging thirty seven point seven minutes a game, so he's playing every, he's every playing single second. Damn near shooting thirty seven point four percent from three. Um, also averaging six assists a game too. But his last few games, um, let's go down to uh, 
So here, right RJ now. Cole, here we go. 10 for 18 against Maryland Eastern Shores is the yep. last one. So his last games, you just run down just points. 28, 23, 29, 27, 27, 32, 30. That's all since the New Year's turn. Yep. Um, so nothing even. So those are like Gets Trey Young numbers. Up. Those are tra- He's going 5'11 from three, 4 of 15, 4 of 12, 5 of 12. That is the green light personified. Yes. So shout out to you, RJ Cole, uh, winner of this week's green light player of the week. Um, put him in the mix with the guys under the name of Rousey, Young, Howard, yes. Fletcher McGee. It's a hell of he's a class. In that, uh, hell of a class that he's in. He's in that that crew. Um, so uh, so shout out to you, RJ Cole. Um, keep an eye on you for our Green Light Player of the Year. Last but not least, been a while since we've updated it. Bottom 25, what everyone's looking forward to. And we finally... Finally, it took us to what is today? Thirty first, almost until almost February. Sorry, that every team now has a win. Everybody. So the number two team in the bottom. T- well, hold on. Delaware <laughs> State's still holding down the number one spot. Number but one. But the number two spot, uh, they probably would be number one if they hadn't picked up this win. Mississippi Valley State yep. with a seventy-two to sixty-seven win over Jackson State at home Woof. on Saturday, picking up their first one of the season. Shout out to Coach Andre Payne and the Delta Devils from oh Ida Bena, Mississippi. Delta Devils sounds like a fraternity. Straight out of the swack, uh, shooting thirty nine point four percent from two. Um, you guys, though, they got it done for one game at least. Um, shout out to to them. Don't forget um, about the Owls. But then now we have our last entrant that we we hinted at them making it in. We have a new team coming in at number twenty four. Uh, the Kennesaw State Owls, um, they are – where are they sitting at? Goodness gracious. They are 6-17, and 2-6 uh, and six in the conference, lost in JIT. Um, I could recruit, I could recruit better with my damn eyes closed. But um, Probably should have kept me. Hey, man. I'm not salty though, right? Nah, not at all, bro. Forget the past. Not at all, bro. <laughs> not at all, bro. Um, so this is Kennesaw State. They've made it in. Knocking on the door. Have to give a shout out to a uh, friend of the program, Scott Mazell's American or oh, the Eagles. Scotty. Is that Sorry, the most, bro. Is that the most generic team, like the American Eagles, like as a nickname? Like, could you find it's anything like more Super clever? Bowl, man. It's like, like American, American Eagles. Um, they're five and sixteen. Um, they're two and eight in the Patriot League. They're struggling, knocking on the door of the bottom twenty-five. Um, anybody else we see here? South. The only thing I do want to shout out are their closest big opponents or, or bigger conferences. South Florida is getting a little bit close. Little, little bit too Yikes. close. Um, and as in the team in the American and East Carolina too. That would um, not be good. Not a good look. But we will uh, we'll keep an eye on that and be back at you guys with with more updates going forward for the bottom twenty five. But appreciate you guys yes. sticking with us. Uh, longer little episode, um, but so much stuff going on in college hoops right now. Absolutely. Gearing up for uh, end of the conference race and heading towards uh, head towards tournament time. So. Stick with us. Hit us up on Twitter at the green, or I'm sorry, green light pod one. Green light pod one. Instagram is at the, the green, green light, light. Um, pod. Pod. Yep. Subscribe. iTunes. Subscribe. Get your lessons up. Go to your local iTunes store. Hit subscribe on every <laughs> iTunes, uh, oh iPhone in there. Uh, <gasps> wow, did, I'm about to do that. I did my part at Grand Central. I don't know what did you've you? been doing. So wow, uh, that's genius. So hack the system, baby. Awesome. Thanks for sticking with us. We'll be back at you guys next week, hopefully with some some big-time guests coming forward. And uh, until then, deuces. the ball bouncing. Lately I've been feeling like this is what I've been working towards. If you ain't trying to be the boss, then tell me what you're working for. Certain doors are closed, but now they opening up. Celebrating with some shots, maybe poke on a cup. Pull, slush, rustles up next, and I got this. Crazy like Britney and the love so toxic. Got a wall up, I'm trying to infiltrate a conscious. Taking 12 shots like where the cops is. Come on.